Hey, IGG listeners, we are replaying, I think maybe my all-time favorite episode or series of episodes, and that's about the Wheel of the Year and the Ancient Sabbaths. If you don't know about this stuff, (laughs) it's really mind-blowing, but it's so foundational, just like the Witchy Terms episode, to everything that we talk about on the IGG, but also like everything in your life. Yes. So there are actually four episodes about the ancient Sabbaths and the wheel of the year. And I really think you should go back and listen to all of them. This is the, this is the one that sort of gives you like a general overview of, of all of it. This is the thing that I have to reel myself in from educating people who aren't asking me about it in public. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not joking. Like, I literally have to be like, ooh, no. Like, and I just see people get this wrong so often in real life, on social media, all the places where they're talking about the origin of something. And that's inside and outside of the spiritual community. And it it really speaks to a common theme for us where you got to know the origin of stuff before you're trying to make money off of it. You got to know if you're appropriating culture you want to understand what really happened in history, not like a whitewashed Christian washed view of it. So absolutely give this one a listen and then maybe continue on to the, to the one and, and learn about all of them. Cause they're really interesting to know, you know, things like why does an Easter bunny lay eggs? That doesn't make sense, but it does. If you know the real story. <laughs> exactly. These are things we need to know about. Yeah. Exactly right. So give this a listen and uh, let us know what you think. And, and again, if, if you're listening again, enjoy it again, because it, you'll you'll pick up or connect with something that maybe you missed before. And even if it's your first time, give us some feedback. What what thing did we bring up that really surprised you? Yeah, because something's going to blow your mind. Exactly right. OK, awesome. In this episode, we are discussing the Wheel of the Year and the ancient pagan Sabbaths. We're going to touch upon how so many cultures celebrated these with such similarities and some really cool and interesting differences. We're also going to correct one of the greatest misconceptions about witches and paganism, and we are so excited to get into this with you. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girls Guide. All right, Jamie, let's go over what the wheel of the year is and what a Sabbath or Sabbat is. Are you down for that? Yes, let's do this. Okay. So I'm going to start with the wheel of the year. So the actual wheel that you see, like you can Google this. I'm sure you've seen it somewhere before. Maybe you didn't know what you were looking at, but that actual wheel, um, is something that was put together in the 1950s. So modern term wheel of the year, right? right? But it is depicting the sabbats or sabbats. You can say them either way. There are a lot of terms on these next episodes that are said in so many different ways. And that's because they are used across many different cultures. Sort of like we said in the last episode, they were basically like holidays that we celebrated in pagan times. Exactly. So the sabbats themselves, crazy ancient. The wheel of the year and putting it together, 
newer. So I want to talk about I want to talk about that because there's an important distinction to be made about that. All right. Let's hear it. So, Let's do it. The wheel of the year being put together was done as like a melding of all of the ancient pagan cultures. Because the pagan way of of life and of existing without a religion, more of like connected connecting to the energies of the earth and the universe, um, that was universal. Right. <laughs> you can right. find that in every single culture. There's not a culture that what you know, there's not a background that doesn't have that sort of system of beliefs. Obviously, with small differences and things, of course, but this was this was a universal way of looking at stuff. So the wheel of the year was really taking all of those and melding them together to make modern day witches or pagans or people who wanted to understand it, giving them one central place to go and a way to honor all of these things. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does make sense. So every single culture celebrated these Sabbaths, but not every single culture celebrated every single one or in the exact same way. I have not found any, any evidence that says that all the cultures didn't celebrate the solstices, like solstices and equinoxes pretty across the board celebrated. Um, the other ones, the additional ones that we'll talk about were, were, were all kind of celebrated, but maybe some of the dates moved or traditions moved, but it's really <laughs> startling honestly how similar all of these cultures that had very little connection to each other um sort of celebrated and honored life right well i think that if you if you listen to the episode we just did about the foundations of this the glossary of all this stuff it's like make sure that when you're thinking of this when you're hearing heather explain these that you're putting yourself not like in your life right now but you're putting yourself like thousands of years ago and that there was no internet, there were no phones, there was no like books of history and libraries. So basically people across the planet were just celebrating and, and observing what was happening around them. So everyone saw the sunrise and the sunset, everyone saw, you know, seasons change. And so it might be noted a little differently or celebrated a little differently, depended upon like if you were near the ocean or if you were near mountains. Um, but it was the same stuff. Exactly. And I'm going to talk about the Sabbaths when we go into the other two episodes where we break each one down a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about them from the view of the Northern hemisphere. But what I want you to understand is that if you in the Southern hemisphere, the wheel of the year would sort of be in opposition because the seasons were different. So you have to hear it that way, but I want to acknowledge that because I don't want it to sound like there was only one universal view of it, but it's important to note that all of these cultures had very, very similar beliefs and connections and that the wheel of the year, it it was um, done and it's very much used in the Wicca religion But it isn't only for that religion. It is for anybody. And the Wheel of the Year was put together as a way to sort of meld all these cultures together and celebrate what resonated with you. Because in modern culture, we're all sort of our own little melting pots of so many different cultures. So this is a great way to go in and to go like what resonates with me or what, what sort of 
cultural piece of this do I want to bring into my life? Does that right. make sense? Yeah, and even like with a country like Ireland, that's very much a Catholic country. There are some aspects in their country that are that have to do with these Sabbaths because they're Celtic. So like they have those like fire festivals in their lives and that they're not necessarily like attributing it to Wicca, but it's what their people did for hundreds of thousands of years. Exactly. These these Sabbaths, when we go into them in the next two episodes and we describe them, one of the things that we're going to focus on talking about is showing you that so much of modern day culture is based on these ancient rituals and these ancient ceremonies. So if you're hearing them and you're thinking like, oh, I don't do any of those. Trust me, baby. You do a lot of them. <laughs> you do and you don't know it. But exactly. it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind, and I hope that it brings you a bit of comfort that some of the things that you are naturally drawn to doing um, are so deep in your DNA and ancestry and, and so um, natural to who you are as a human being that, like, to me, I that feels so good. Yeah, absolutely. It's comforting. Yes. Um, in the last episode, you talked a little bit about how we saw time as a wheel, right? We saw it as a, a circle, as cyclical. So that's why the wheel of the year is is a wheel. Right. The eight Sabbaths, which are the ones that we're going to talk about, they're the most across the board. Of course, there are other ones, and there are some cultures that only celebrated six or four. Of course, there's that. But we're going to talk about sort of the, the most widely accepted and celebrated ones, Um those are depicted in a circle um, and they they really represented the cyclical way of life and were very often represented on wreaths. So if you have any wreaths in your house, I'm, I can see three from where I sit in my house. <laughs> if you have one on your door, all of that comes from this ancient symbolism of the way that time moves. Yes. We did not see it as linear. We did not see a year as point A to point B finished. We saw it as a circle. Right. Um, so those eight sabbats um, in the wheel of the year, um, we have found evidence that these have been observed for at least 12,000 years. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, I feel like we think of some of these things that we're going to go over and some of these ceremonies, like when you think of the solstices or you hear equinox and it almost sounds like a trendy thing to do to like pay attention to the sun and the moon and all of this kind of stuff. Right. It's like, Oh, that's such a, you know, a, a modern trendy thing, but like it is so not <laughs> it's the oh. opposite. Right. literally for 12,000 years. And just think about, think about how modern, even just Christianity is. And like a lot of these things have been adopted from these very ancient cultures and used in these more patriarchal religions as part of their ceremony. Right. Well, they had to get people on board. So they brought them in. I think brought them in is a very nice way to say it, James. <laughs> so they stole them. Yes. These were completely hijacked. People were tricked into um, being open to other things and, and to practicing these religions by right. the hijacking of these things. Right. Yes, thinking, thinking the things were familiar to them were in that religion. So it, it would be safe when really they were just um, appeasing people to get them into their religion. 
Yes. And I feel like this is an important place for us to put our disclaimer about how we are not anti-religion. No, nope. we're not. We're not. It, it, we we don't practice religion, but we are so cool with you doing it. Honestly, it would be so hypocritical for us to tell you what to believe that I can't even start. To, that would that could be a whole episode. <laughs> right. Well, it, right. And and for the for full disclosure, I mean, I was raised in a Roman Catholic family. I did the whole thing, got confirmed in that, and was married in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and have since left, but it wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to tell you that I'm fully, have fully defined my beliefs. Like that's something that I'm always working on. So for me to say like your beliefs are wrong, I would never, because what I believed 10 years ago, I don't believe anymore. You know what I mean? So I think it's something that we should all always be working on. And there's space for everyone to have all of their beliefs. As long as as long as everyone gets like, as long as everyone's safe in your beliefs, you know, like everyone's free, then I'm on board. We're not going to show up to shame you or try to convert you or into anything. That's not what we're here to do. We right. might show up if you are trampling on somebody's rights. You might see us show up there. But other than that, believe what you want to believe. I'm the same as you. I was raised in a Protestant church decided to leave but like I still have a lot of love and respect for all of that stuff I I like to study religion because I'm a, a dorky human who loves history so like looking into that so this is not us slamming any of this stuff however <laughs> in history this was not a, a, a nice time where we took these these natural beliefs and said you're not allowed to believe them you, this is a crime punishable by death if you don't believe the way that we teach. This happened, and this stealing of culture occurred. So I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to soften it, but I do want to say this is not us preaching at you what to believe. Well, and there's also a difference between um, a god and a church. So you can believe in God, you can believe in whatever you want, but we also have to be really honest about the way churches, like the humans that were running the churches, how they behaved, what they did, what they stole from people, how they murdered people. I mean, we have to be very honest about that. That's historically fact. Um, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the deity that you believe in, right? It's just like the humans that were using that mask. Exactly. That's a beautiful way to say it. So bottom line, believe whatever you want. When you hear us saying some things that are going to sound negative towards Christianity, it is not a personal attack on any one person or any one thing. It is just simply history that we feel like is important for people to understand. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll have to move on now because you and I would talk about this for eight hours. But I literally was like, maybe I should say this one more thing. But no, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save it for another episode or it'll probably come up as we talk about these things but um the word sabbath means it's a greek word and it literally means to rest <laughs> exactly i think something that's important to note though when we say to rest is that we mean not work right. so it wasn't like on a sabbat everyone laid in bed <laughs> right right 
honest about people were like partying and having fun. Like it, it basically meant to like have a good time, fill your cup up with happiness, usually large amounts of wine and like do fun things. Right. Like that, that's what we mean when we say to rest. Right. And that's where the word Sabbath comes from. Exactly. Um, I think it's really, I don't have a word big enough. I'm going to use the word amazing, but it, it, pales in comparison to what I mean. Okay. <laughs> it is amazing that, that these traditions survived. It, it, is, it is nothing short of miraculous because celebrating um, magic with a K, doing yep. rituals of any kind, doing anything outside of patriarchal religious belief, this is a direct, this was the language used, was a crime punishable punishable by death. Right, right. So the fact that we can reach back into history and, and find out this information at all is a testament to what a badass our ancestors really were. Like, right. I, I think it's a testament to like humanity that like when humans know they're in line with something energetically they know something's right that they don't they don't let it go they might change the face of it it might go underground it might look like something else over like you said like the wreaths that you have like people probably still had wreaths even when they weren't allowed to talk about magic or or anything or paganism or anything like that you know but humans are stubborn and they hold on to things sometimes good sometimes bad for better or worse, we are a stubborn creature. Yes. Um, and uh, one of the ways that you, you said, like it went, sometimes it goes underground and that's perfect. One of the ways that we passed this information on in an underground way was through nursery rhymes and fables. I so I hear people talk all the time about how like dark nursery rhymes are or how like the, like if you ever study the like original, um, like like stories like Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella, like you go into those original ones, people are like really thrown by how dark and messed up they sound. Yeah. Those were all symbol being like using symbology, passing on this information secretly. Right. Exactly. By word of freaking mouth. That is amazing. Yep. Amazing. I feel like I'm failing to explain how amazing it is, but hopefully it's coming across and how excited I feel about it. <laughs> well, because our society now is sort of like fluffed up and everything's used for like capitalism and to sell stuff. So you have like the little mermaid who's like beautiful and kind and sweet and super skinny. And like, you know, she's this perfect human that you're supposed to become and, and it's being used against us now. But you, that those stories originally were used to like protect people to keep history and to keep your, your lineage safe. That's incredible. Yes. Like you would literally be killed, murdered, burned, all of these things for passing this information on. Yet it, it made it in a yeah. time where there was no internet. There was no cell phone video of, of the atrocities happening to be posted. Like right. it is, it's so cool. I, I, I know I'm harping on it, but I, I feel like, I, I so am, I'm so grateful that the people who worked so hard to preserve this stuff did and most likely gave their life to do it. Right. Well, maybe that's another episode as we talk about like how, like those actual messages that were passed down. 
Exactly. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll reel myself back in from, from my tangent, but it's, it really is amazing. Um, we'll be right back after this short break. You guys have heard our ad for Restoration Coffee, so we thought we'd do a quick Restoration Coffee Real Talk or Resto Real Talk. What do you think, Jay? Well, I mean, I love Real Talks, <laughs> but I love Restoration Coffee, so this is really, like, where I where I live. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good lane for us. <laughs> this is my lane. <laughs> well, the first thing that I love about Resto that I think everyone needs to know, here in Massachusetts, where we live, there are a ton of coffee shops, but there aren't actually a ton of great coffee shops. Resto is a great coffee shop. The baristas know what they're doing. They know what they're making. They understand the science of it. They're not just like pushing buttons and coffees dumping out. They're really making excellent high quality coffee. They are. They're the best. So good. And then the, beyond the baristas and what you're getting, you can also get the beans. Yes. And oh my God, it's the best coffee, don't you think? Yeah. And like they're roasted themselves. Resto roasts their own beans. They're ethically sourced. They're not dunked in syrup or whatever happens to make like crazy flavors. Like they're really great, high quality, high end beans that you're getting. And you don't even have to be from around here to get them. You can order them from wherever and they'll ship them to you. And then the other thing I realized after going there so much was that a lot of places offer vegan or gluten-free or dairy-free stuff. And whenever I see it, I'm always like, I don't know if I want that. Suspicious. When I go to Resto, a lot of the times I order things and they're already gluten-free and dairy-free and I don't know it and they're delicious. Like they're just so good. It's so good. Even if you don't have a reason for needing to not have that stuff, have it. It's delicious and you'll feel great after you eat it. Yeah. So it's like this magical blend of taking care of people that need certain dietary help, but also making it really delicious too. Exactly. All right. I'm sold. Let's go. Let's go to Resto. So another big thing is that um, these sabbats, when you hear about them and, and back in, in pagan days, there was nothing ever associated with demons or a devil. There was no devil and there was no demons. <laughs> when you hear pagan or you hear witchcraft or she's practicing witchcraft or she's a witch or when, when these these people back in the day were, were being called evil and bad because they were summoning demons and worshiping the devil. The thing that's so atrocious about that is that that was never, ever a part of anything. There was no devil in any pagan culture and there were no demons ever. No, they just took the horned animals that we used that, that were used as like, you know, out in nature, but that we used as symbolism for other things and the church took it and created this devil. Exactly. And I, I'm going to tell you where the devil actually comes from, what they actually, the specific thing that they we think that they stole to create that. Um, but I would like to make a point here that our ancient pagan ancestors were far more afraid of fae, meaning like fairies and those kinds of things, yes. than they were of any devil or devil. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The irony of it all. The irony. Yes. So the, the devil imagery, like what, when you, when you think of a devil, Jay, like what imagery comes into your head when you think of like the modern spin on a devil? Um, like red skinned horns and like a nasty look on his face. 
Yes. So what we think, we, we don't have direct evidence of this, but what we think happened is that the most sort of, I'm going to use the word popular here, but I feel like it's an odd choice of word, but the most right. popular and well-known across all pagan cultures, God, was a God called the Great Horned God of Europe. Yeah. This this God was sort of like across the board known, and he had a very goat-like appearance for his head, and he had horns. And he was sometimes depicted as red. Mm. So not in all cultures, but sometimes. And it, he had nothing to do with being evil. He was just very powerful. He was very, he was very badass. He had to do with death. But as we'll talk about in future episodes, death was not seen as scary back then. Yeah. It was seen as of, a, of that circle of, of reincarnation. So it was seen as a very important element of life, actually. So he was not scary. Um, and, and to that same point, pagan deities, meaning the gods and goddesses that pagans um, worshipped and, and talked about and celebrated, None of them were purely good or purely evil. So when, when they talked about a god or a goddess, this, it was not some benevolent, all-good, light-filled being. It was a being that had both elements of light and dark or good and evil in them. Right. Um, and that's how we viewed higher beings. I feel like that's, like, I almost want to say that 12 more times to people because that's a really important cultural change. Right. Well, I mean, that's like, that's where true health is, is imbalance, right? Like you balance things. So like if something is all one thing and not anything of the other, then there's no balance in that. Yeah. And nothing in nature or science exists that way. Exactly. exactly. So the, the thing with um, modern day religion um, and Jamie, you might have to help me make this not sound like I'm I'm being too critical of it, but I'm going to be a little critical for a minute and then I'll let you maybe smooth it over for me. Right. One of my big issues with modern day patriarchal religion is the idea of shaming you for not being good enough. Right. And if you think that what you're trying to be is like this God who is all good, pure light, there's not a single piece of darkness. And that's the sort of, that's like what you're holding yourself up to. Right. That really feeds into that idea. Like if, if they made their, the modern God or whatever, the one that they celebrate, if they made that something that was both good and evil and light and dark and had had elements of both it would be really hard to shame people into feeling bad about not being perfect right well that doesn't serve the church so i'm sure god would love you no matter how you are i mean that's what the theory is right but like the church isn't served by you being happy with yourself you have to always be trying to reach the standard that's impossible to meet and so you're forever um like working to be perfect or you're forever beating yourself up for not being perfect so you're always in this state of um of like looking at yourself and like trying to perfect yourself and so all these other things are happening around you that you don't have like the energy or the time to pay attention to yes it's so imbalanced it is so right. incredibly imbalanced and 
the balance of energy is such a key element to pagan beliefs across all cultures of oh, the balance of light and dark, which you'll see when we, why they celebrate solstices, why equinoxes are so important, right? Like that is, is what they were seeking to do when they would, there were certainly in many cultures, people who would like sort of ask forgiveness from the gods for things that they had done. They weren't doing that so that they would, you know, go to some, some, you know, magical place and not suffer forever. They were doing that to restore balance right. to the energy around them so that, you know, hopefully the crops would come out good the next year. Like, do you know what I mean? It was, it was for a very different reason is my point. Yes, exactly. And you could, in, in modern religion, you're always looking outside of yourself and outside of your community and you're trying to get to this end goal. But in pagan religions or pagan times, not religion, in pagan time, you were looking to, to make yourself and your community around you better. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Exactly my point. So you also, when you're hearing us talk about the Sabbats, when we go into those, you're going to have to suspend the idea when we talk about gods and goddesses that these were, quote unquote, perfect, all good beings. Right. They weren't. They had their good traits and their bad traits, much like you would view the weather or like, you know what I mean? Like everything has, has elements of both. Right. Um, and also suspend the idea that there, there was a devil and there was evil that they, that people were worshiping. That never happened. There was no devil. That was a, a stolen, um, you know, really beloved popular God that they, they turned into that to make it look like, you know, if you were worshiping that horned God that right. you were evil. Right. All just to make people afraid, right? Right. That's frustrating. It is. So a lot of the melding of of these different pagan beliefs um, happen after the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Now, if you ask me to point to an occurrence or a, a time in the world where shit started to go south real fast, I would say Spanish Inquisition 1492. <laughs> right. Exactly. A lot of things. You can you can you can trace back racism here. You yeah. can trace back all kinds of things. But if you're I'll I'll reel it into just be talking about religious persecution for a minute. This okay. comes from this time. No, it was it was happening before it, but this really made it a way of life. Right. I very much encourage you, everybody listening, if you have not already, to fall down the rabbit hole of looking at what was happening during the Spanish Inquisition around it, its implications on racism and slavery and all like please go down that rabbit hole. I don't have time to take you down it right now. Um, but please do. It, it's right. so important and it's so overlooked in, in how we learn history. Right. But basically, if you were non-Christian at the time of the Spanish Inquisition, so again, this is 1492, you had to flee. You were a ref refugee because even if you said you were going to convert, that was usually a trick. And if they didn't feel like you were like if they thought at all that you were secretly passing down information that was pagan in any way, you were killed. Right. So all of these different cultures are fleeing their their homeland. They're they're legit refugees fleeing right. 
um, trying to get away from this oppressive culture, right? right, from this religious persecution. And so many of them ended up banded together in places that weren't their home, and they combined so many of their culture, their cultural traditions in the way that they celebrated the Sabbaths here. Right. We have a lot of evidence that shows um, pagan and Kabbalist, um, which is the Jewish mysticism religion, combining and, and, and melding in a lot of, of their things here. There's a lot of really cool evidence and books written on that if you want to further dive. But this is a big reason why you see so many, so many things like, for example, a lot of um, Celtics started incorporating a lot of Norse tradition, like in this time, because it was very similar and they liked it. So they'd add in those elements. And this is also a time where, you know, people are traveling by ship more often. So like maybe you didn't like the Celts didn't have a lot of grapes and so they didn't have wine in the same way, but they got brought over. So this is where you see a lot of this melding happening. Right. Um, but I think what's so amazing is that 1492 sounds like a long time ago, but in the scheme of things, it really isn't. No, no it's not. So these cultures were so similar, but in, when we get to this point, we can really see them um, mixing and adopting each other's ways of doing things because they what they had in common was that they were refugees from their own land. Right, and that's what happens when you hang out with other people, right? I mean, like... When you make new friends, you start to adopt the ways that they see things, the things that they do. They teach you new things. You try other things. That's what that was happening with like large groups of refugees. They were coming together to help each other survive. And so they were picking up on each other's cultures. Exactly. And I really think we could benefit from adopting this way of thinking a lot more right now because I, I've never lived through a more polarizing time than this where like if you don't believe the same thing, we can't even have a conversation. And, you know, it's, it's so much about your own needs and not respecting somebody else's needs and culture. Like, again, right. I'll put myself in from that tangent, but really, if you can, if you could just like sort of sink into the idea of like hearing somebody else's way of doing something and then feeling out if any of it feels in alignment with you, like intuitively, does that appeal to you? Right. Again, if it doesn't, pass it on. You don't have to be mad about it. <laughs> right. Well, that's what it feels like. Everything in this society, in this modern day is like, things are just laid down upon us. We have to do this. You have to do that. And so people have sort of lost the ability to be like, Hmm, does this feel in alignment with me? Do I like this? No, thanks. I'll move on. It's like, we're taught to like either accept things or to fully resist them. Yes. And when you live in a patriarchal society where your belief systems are very structured in a way that's like we tell you what to believe, not use your intuition to feel what feels right to you, right. it can be harder to adopt the mindset of, oh, like what a cool element to this culture. I, you know, I don't, I don't have any knowledge of roots in that culture, but it really resonates with me. I think I'll adopt that. Like that seems like almost like a foreign thing, but Right. That should be the way that, that we're doing stuff. We need to get back to going like what feels right with, with, to me, what resonates with me. And I, I hope that in the next two episodes when we explain the sabbats and we, we dive into them and we talk about the different ways that they celebrated them, that you give yourself permission to go, oh, my God, I love incorporating that idea. Oh, my gosh, I love that. And then 
like celebrating holidays in a way that feels good to you, not in a way that you are like locked in by your like direct ancestors. That's how they did it. Like find what works for you. Right. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a way to steer yourself and your family into a better like direction that feels better and more authentic. Yes. These sabbats, the energy of them, and I think you'll see it when we when we go over them in the next two episodes. I think that you'll see this, but I want to make the point here to set it up. They were all designed to serve people, not to shame them for their shortcomings or things they didn't do yet or things uh, they failed at. They were designed to serve you in your life. So a lot of times when we start going into these, and I, I'm guilty of this. This is not me being preachy. This is me admitting guilt to this. We sort of go into some some holidays, which is sort of our modern sabbats, right? And we feel guilt and shame for like, is is did I do this perfectly? Did I see all the people I'm supposed to see? Did I honor that tradition the right way or that one? Like, And it becomes this thing that is full of shame and serving everybody else and not to serve you in your own life. So if... I mean, I feel like I want you to have so many takeaways, but I hope that this is one of them, that you go, oh, these were actually originally designed to serve me and to to fill my my metaphorical cup up, right? Um, not to drain me into being locked into doing things that I don't want to do. Whew. I am the poster child for needing that message. <laughs> And, and but if you're sitting there and you're listening to that and that's like you're like yeah damn it I'm gonna I'm gonna make holidays what I want them to be now let me give you permission to have a really hard time with that because you're having holidays and you're celebrating holidays with people who aren't <laughs> changing their perspectives of it and who have really high expectations of how you're supposed to celebrate, where you're supposed to be, what kind of dinner you're supposed to be having, even at what time you're supposed to be having it. Um, so rewriting how you see holidays and how they serve you and your family um, can be hard to do in this society, but it's it's gonna make them a lot more pleasurable, which is like Heather said, where they began. They began as being about pleasure and celebrating it is so hard to create boundaries around how you want to celebrate holidays. It is hard. so difficult. It's so hard. And we talk a little bit about this in our self-care episode that we did, but it is so difficult to do that. So start small, start with little things that feel good. Maybe don't like start with like a, a big holiday, like Christmas slash right. Yule. Right. Like maybe don't rewrite that one right away, but maybe incorporate some other things or maybe even just start asking yourself some important questions about like, who is this serving? Yes. <laughs> so if the answer is not you and like your immediate people, then maybe, maybe have that like, I got to, I got to do some soul searching moment to see how I might want to do this, but no, it is difficult. I know Jamie, you and I lean on each other a lot for this of like, yep. okay, how do I, how do I honor myself and what we need without hurting anybody's feelings? And it's, it's just a difficult thing to do. So like you said, there's no shame about it, but start small and do it, but it's tough, baby. It sure is. Yeah. All right. 
that's all I got to, to set up these things. Is there anything else that you want to add before we, we jump to the next episode and, and really break these, these amazing Sabbaths down? No, I think we covered, I mean, obviously not all of it because it could be forever, but um, I think we covered a good amount of it and this is a good place to start with looking into them. Awesome. All right. So in the next two episodes coming to you, we are going to go, we're going to take each of the eight Sabbaths and we are going to break them down. So the next episode, we're going to do four of them. And then the following one, we'll do another four. Um, I'm going to warn you right now, they're probably going to be a little bit lengthy because there's so much beautiful information. (laughs) We want to get as much of it to you as we can. Um, We won't be able to do all of it, obviously, but we'll squeeze in as much as we possibly can. So please, please dive in and, and think about these things because they are so beautiful to learn about. Every time I, I dive back into these, I, I, my soul feels better, Jamie. Absolutely. Um, I feel the same exact way. I sometimes feel like, um, I don't have a culture because I, I have so many cultures, but like and my ancestry and DNA is so all over the place that it can be hard to feel like, how, like, how do I honor that? Like, where are my roots? And when I go back and look at these, I, my root chakra feels better, Jay. Like, awesome. I, start to go, I start to go, oh, I can, I can feel that connection back into ancient culture again. So if you feel that way too, I think this will help. I think it will help your soul even extra. Absolutely. I agree. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Jay. Thank you. All right. See you in the next episode. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, IGG. We are officially on summer vacay. So we will be back to you with more episodes, new episodes on August 2nd. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.